Welcome to The City Podcast, a ministry of Ambassadors Church in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. If you'd like more information about our church, visit our website at wearethecity.org. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you are blessed by today's word. The book of James, um, and we're talking through, uh, you, you know, several chapters of it and so many different topics. If we were to really unpack everything that James is saying, uh, it would take us a year-long process. And, and so uh, I started last Sunday talking through the power of the tongue, that words matter. And, uh, and I wasn't able to finish that, so we're going to continue it this morning. I want you to turn back in your Bibles to James chapter 3. Uh, we're going to read verses 3 through 12. James chapter 3, verses 3 through 12. Uh, My version says it this way. If we put bits into the mouths of horses that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by, by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire, and the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and is on fire by hell itself. For every kind of beast and bird, reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by man, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things should not be. Does a spring pour pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. The word of the Lord this morning. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for how good you are. Uh, Thank you for this beautiful day that you've given to us. The sun is shining. Spring is in the air. Uh, And on this first, uh, I think it's the first Sunday of spring. If it's not, it feels like it. I pray that you would just bless it. And uh, and we just give to you this moment in the word. God, I I ask that you would uh, really open up just the channels of heaven so that we can hear what it is that the Father wants to say to the church. Lord, it's not me, but you through me. It's not my voice, but your voice. It's not my teaching. It's yours. It's not my word, but yours. So God, would you just do what only you can do? We love you. We thank you for all that you're doing. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said... Amen. To reemphasize what Kev was saying, uh, so our podcast is now on three platforms. You can find it on iTunes, you can find it on SoundCloud, and you can also now find it on Spotify. Uh, and, and we just really believe in getting the word out. Um, and so I want to encourage you to share the podcast with your friends and family. It's pretty amazing to see the, the, the spread that, that we're seeing come from the City Podcast. And I really believe church growth can happen from people tuning in to what is being recorded every Sunday morning. And so I want you to, to, to share Share that, listen to it, uh, subscribe, and let your friends know, uh, because that is uh, a great way to get the word of God out there. Let me pull, uh, so let me not not pull first. Let me, uh, so Mondays in the Lima household, let me start with my my little story. Mondays in the Lima household are sheet change, bed sheet changing days. So every Monday is the day that Alini pulls off the sheets and it comes time. Now, I think I'm a good husband in many regards, but I am very good at changing sheets. Like I, I even know how to fold the fitted sheet. Like that is, that, that's impressive. 
The fitted sheet. Now I'm a millennial. I don't use the top sheet. Like we don't use the top sheet. No, no, no. Who uses the top sheet? Let me do my poll now. Top sheet. Wow. How many of y'all don't use the top sheet? Just the fitted sheet plus a blanket. So apparently millennials are killing the top sheet industry along with killing the napkin industry along with killing the straw industry. There's always another article about what millennials are killing. It's ridiculous. But anyway, I guess we are because we don't use the top sheet. So I bought, so here's the thing. I never knew linen was anything special. I always just thought it was itchy looking. And so, so, so for Alini's birthday, I, in, among her gifts, I bought like this linen sheet set. But I only bought it because it looked cool. And I'm like, if we don't like it, I'll return it. And uh, so we, 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 and at first I was like, this feels a little like itchy. Because there's a difference between like linen and cotton, right? And so, so and, and linen gets like wrinkly and stuff. And so there was just like a bunch of stuff to it. Anyhow, Mondays is, is sheet changing day at the Lima household. And, 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 and I don't, Although I'm good at it, I don't look forward to it. It kind of just feels like a hassle to me. Like, I feel like it comes around every two, it's tomorrow. It feels like it's always tomorrow. We're always changing sheets. And, uh, which is a good thing, I guess, you know, dust mites. Once you start Googling dust mites and all that stuff, you're like, you want to just be washing your sheets every second. I heard Oprah washes her sheets every day. I don't know. Or buys a new set. What is it? Yeah, she's also a billionaire. She can afford, like, all the linen of the world. Um, so... But there's this thing that happens. So I, Alini can't do the sheets by herself. She needs me to, to help her out because, you know, to, to tuck it and all that. And so we lift up, you know, the bottom of the, the, the mattress, stick the fitted sheet, go to the top, stick the fitted sheet. But periodically what happens is that the foot of the bed, uh, at the foot of the bed when we are, it's very possible, probable, uh, that... I'm going to, or she is going to, stub her toe on the bottom, the, the foot of the bed. Have you ever stubbed your toe? And you don't even know how, like, how to respond. You just kind of like open your mouth and no sound comes out. Like, yeah. <laughs> Right? If you were a child, you would cry your eyes out. There is nothing worse than stubbing your toe at the foot of the bed. What it, you know it's there. You know the shape of your bed. You know exactly where that foot of the bed is. You know you've done it a thousand times. Stubbing your toe is the worst feeling in the world. And all the mothers in the house are like, well, what about childbirth? I don't know about childbirth. All I know is that stubbing your toe is probably up there on the scale. I remember a childhood memory. My parents have a dishwasher at the corner of their, uh, it's at the corner of like the, 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 the counter. And one day, I was probably like 10, and this, these are just the memories that Shane remembers. Uh, I was just swinging my leg like this on the corner of the, I don't know why. This is just stupid, just stupid. Why would I, I was just swinging my leg like this, and, and I just remember like I was, got distracted, and I banged my foot on the corner of the counter. I swore that leg got amputated that day. It was terrible, terrible. Stubbing your toe. But have you noticed, like, small parts of the body that get damaged causes pain throughout the whole body? It's like, it's like man, like, a, stubbing your toe on the bottom of your bed feels like your whole body is suffering. It's, it's like one small thing that causes a whole lot of damage. Can you tell your neighbor and just say, small things matter? Small things matter. 
Did you know that words have that same effect? The same effect of this. Some of us are being a little bit reckless with our words like this. We're just kind of treating our words. And if you're on the podcast, I'm just swinging my legs stupidly. Uh, we're, just, we're just doing this. And, and then periodically, what we'll do is we'll do one word that has a lasting effect on the people around us. And, and, and I think sometimes we just kind of dismiss words as it's just words. Or we say, that's kind of just the way I am. I'm, I'm Kate Verdian. This is the way Kate Verdians talk. I'm Latina. This is the way Latinas are. I'm just going to keep going through the culture so nobody gets offended. I'm Brazilian. This is just how Brazilians are. But did you know that when God looks at you, he's not giving discounts based upon where you were born? Oh, that's right. She's Brazilian. It's okay. Words matter. And I'm hitting on the same point as last Sunday, not because I didn't prepare another sermon. I'm hitting on the same point because words matter. And we need this teaching on the fact that we can't just consider what we're saying as unimportant. I believe that every word that comes out of our mouth carries weight. It carries the power of either life or death. It carries the power to either build or destroy. It carries the power to either bless or to curse, to encourage or to tear down, to, to motivate or to truly discourage and defeat somebody. And so I want us in, and I believe God is mandating us to be a church that pays attention to the words that we say. Words matter. Words matter. And so it's not something small. Small things can cause a big effect. If you're from Rhode Island uh, and you've been here in the state for a while, uh, many of you will remember the 2003 uh, Station Nightclub fire in, in Warwick. Now, there's horrifying footage of that event, and, and 16 years ago at this point, it seems unreal that it was that long ago, uh, but basically what happened was this nightclub in Warwick had a band that came to perform, and, uh, and so they had pyrotechnics in the middle of the show, and so, you know, the little fireworks on the side. And everyone was just kind of like applauding and it was like real electric in the room and it was like really, you know, cool. And uh, kind of like Cheyenne and Jeff's wedding, just like, you know, just like fireworks everywhere. And, uh, and so we were looking, no, I wasn't there, but they, they were just watching the show and then the pyrotechnics caught fire on the ceiling tiles of the room, the foam ceiling tiles. In five and a half minutes, that building was in flames. And the damage that was done was not so much the fire, it was the stampede of people trying to get out. 31 bodies were found at the door trying to get out of the nightclub. Today, the man, the manager of the band who was responsible for the pyrotechnics is sitting in jail for 100 counts of involuntary manslaughter because of one spark that caused mass devastation. But there's a principle here. Because the sparks were not intended to destroy. The sparks were intended to entertain. So sparks that are meant to entertain and are controlled, everybody will applaud. 
But sparks that are left uncontrolled will cause mass devastation. And so there's a lot of times where our words are sparks that we let loose just to entertain and maybe get laughter or maybe to get an applause or maybe to get some praise. That guy's so funny. But did you know that small sparks without control will end up causing destruction that hurts a whole lot of people? That's a word. Shoot. Because sometimes jokes... Sometimes an I'm kidding, sometimes a just saying, sometimes a can you pray for, sometimes gossip looks like prayer requests, and, and sometimes, sometimes a did you hear turns into a slander fest, and sometimes, a, and sometimes a, an innocent joke can actually mark somebody's life. I gotta be careful with how we joke about people. Oh, they can't take a joke. Not everybody has that same level of intimacy. I remember growing up when people would call me Dumbo for my ears. It hurt. Now my head, yeah, exactly. And then, but I grew into my ears. Like, I remember second grade, third grade. My mom thought they were beautiful years, but no one else did. But man, sometimes we, we roast for no reason. And you never know what's on the other side of a just joking. Sarcasm sometimes hurts. And look, I'm not telling everybody to just be stiff and super sensitive. But I really think that love is what's going to show you what's appropriate and what's not appropriate. Love. Love. Sometimes, like, I think we start off innocently saying whatever we're thinking. And then we get carried away. And we kind of go in the wave of, of what we're thinking. And so we start saying other things we've been thinking. How many of y'all know that everything you think is not everything you should be saying? <laughs> you got to know when to be silent because sparks that are controlled are meant to entertain and be applauded. But sparks that are out of control can cause devastation. And, and man, looking at the footage of the Station Nightclub fire, which is a, it's online. I mean, it's horrifying to see the, the party turned into mayhem in a matter of seconds. And what's crazier about that is that the, the devastation was not caused by like a gunman coming in, which kind of like would make sense. It wasn't caused by, it was caused by a small spark. It's caused by a small thing. And I have kind of three encouragements for you. Uh, number one, I want you to start pay, paying attention to the words you use. The words you use. Can you, can you tell your neighbor the words you use? The words you use. Look, I, I believe that, that the words you use matter. I'm talking about literal words, like letters that form words, that form phrases, that form ideas. I'm talking about all the way down, boiling down your communication to the words you choose. 
married folks in the house. Uh, whenever you start saying to your spouse, you always or you never, what you're doing is you're, you're, you're painting a situation with one brush. And so, for example, you always do that. Now, the only time that always and never should be used is in the context of God. You are always good. You never fail. The devil is always a liar. Those are absolute truths. But you see, in marriage, it becomes hurtful when you say, you never. Is that really true? You always do that. You're just like. You're not the person I. Words cut. Yo, words cut. Words are more damaging than fists. Fists will bruise and it'll mend. Words, that bruise lasts forever. Watch your words. Friendships, watch your words. Watch the words that you're using and texting and saying and posting. Every word counts. When uh, President Obama was president, I used to watch his speeches and study the way he would communicate because the dude is a master at speech giving. And with, with, with President Obama, it was like every word for him counted. Even if it was like a the, he intended that the. If it was an and, he's like, okay, now I'm going to place an and. It was almost like he was crafting. And, I, and, I, and so I started studying that. And so much of that, I think, translated into the way like I, I try to communicate the gospel. Where it's like every word counts. You can preach an entire sermon with hundreds of words. And if you say one word that's off, oh, yeah. the entire thing gets, yeah. Like everyone will remember the one word you said wrong. The one time you stuttered. The one time you tried to make a point and stumbled all over it. That's high pressure. But it proves a point. It proves a principle that every word counts. Every word counts. And so instead of just kind of running our mouth about stuff, I pray that we would become intentional in the words that we select to communicate the thoughts and the feelings that we have. Because you can never retrace the steps of what you have already said. Isn't that wild? Once you've released that word, it is into the atmosphere of the room. It has already triggered feelings in the hearts of your hearers, and you can't take it back. Yo, that's wild. Sometimes I wish there was undo button on what I've said. Anybody ever feel that way? Come on, there are some arguments that I've been that I'm like, I was a fool in the middle of that argument. I wish I could undo what I said. And number two, I wish I could undo how I said it. That's my second principle. That's how I transitioned that, is that I want you to watch your words, and I want you to watch how you say it. Sometimes it's not so much what you say. It's how you say it. I remember Alini at the beginning of our marriage, one of the phrases I heard the most is, I don't like the way you're talking to me. I'm just verbalizing what all your marriages have gone through. So before you start (laughs) criticizing, being like, oh my goodness, Shane, what are you saying? Because it wasn't so much what I said to her. It was the tone with which I said it. Tone is everything. Everybody deserves respect. Nobody deserves for you to run up on them with your opinion. Aggression 
builds walls. Love and a tone of helps. Those of you listening, just picture less. It's, it's just something that the Lord wants to help you with because I think even if you're right, it doesn't give you the right to be aggressive. My dad always taught me something. He's like, whoever raises their voice loses the argument. That means even if you were right, 100%, you lose your temper, you lose the fight. Is this a good word? Shoot. This practical stuff is helpful, man. Because this is part of becoming a healthy church. Is us knowing how to talk to each other. Man, tone is everything. I, I think I told you this once. I had a high school teacher. Her name was Mrs. Morgan. And she told me this. There's nothing more beautiful than your name said in a loving and kind way. I never forgot when she said that. Because when someone says, Shane, when I was getting disciplined as a kid, Shane Elton, I knew that was serious. Shane Elton, oh, shoot, it's going down. Shane, look, look at the difference. Shane, Shane Elton, there's, there's same, Shane Elton, it's different, same words. Different tone, different meaning. For some of you, you have the right words. You're good with words. What needs to change is the tone. Because once you're respectful, you're going to see that people are going to tear down walls instead of build them up. Tone is everything. Can you, tell, can you tell your neighbor tone is everything? Tone is everything. Yeah, tone it down. That's a good way to say it. Tell your other neighbor, tone it down. Tone it down. Tone it down. Tone it down. Down, down, down. What did you used to tell me when we were dating? Abaixa Krista. She used to say a bunch of little Brazilian friends. Abaixa Krista, I don't know what that even means. I don't know how that translates. It sounds like lower, oh, lower your crest. Is that what? So there's a crest on like, is it a bird? On a chicken, a rooster? A baixa crista means like, lower that. Is there a Spanish equivalent? A baja la crista. No, that's not words. It's like when I said chocolate quiente, and apparently that wasn't even Spanish. And everyone was laughing at me and not with me, but that's, that's fine. Chocolate quiente. Words matter. Words count. And that goes to show if you don't know, don't say it. That's a sermon. Um... His word and everything. And she used to say, like, menus. Menus is just, like, less. Menus. And, and I learned a lot with her. I learned a lot. Because with my parents, it's a different relationship. With, with your wife, it's, it's, it's just different. And, uh, and, and so, like, I kind of rolled up into marriage, like, I'm the boss of this thing. <laughs> and you learn real quick. Yeah. You ain't the boss of nothing. <laughs> You ain't running the show. It's our show. You can't be making decisions all on your own no more. Spending money here, there, and everywhere like we're made of money. Like you got you to gotta consult, meet, set up board meetings for spend, family meetings. Only the two of us. Us and our parakeets. And we got rid of those. Like, so now it's just like just us. We had them for a good month. Um, but, but you got you to... Gotta, Tone. Tone is everything. I'm, I'm learning that. I'm not, I'm not the master of it. I'm not like I've mastered tone. I'm not, I'm not there, but I know how tone changes things. And sometimes I look and I see how we've grown. And then I'm like, wow, in our first year of marriage, this would have caused a week-long issue. 
And now because of tone, it was mitigated in a moment. Simply because nothing changed. It's just the tone changed. When you're not rolling up on people. <laughs> ready to fight. When you're just ready to love, man, it changes the, the atmosphere of a place. Right? That's why I like this church because we're not rolling up in here ready to like, you're doing this wrong. You're doing that wrong. You're, what are you doing? Here? No, man. Like, if we're going to compare ourselves to anybody, let's compare ourselves to Christ, who, who is the most perfect of individuals, and compared to him, none of us are deserving of anything. And so let's all, by Krista, lower our crest. Let's all manus, let's all less, and let's all realize that without him, we're nothing. Come on, is this a word for anybody this morning? We just need to get this straight. And manus, tell your neighbor, manus, 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 manus. Manus. So check your words, check your tone. And number three is check your motivation. This is the most important one. Because it's possible to say the right words with the right tone, with the wrong motivation. Shoot, then it's all, it's, all, it's all thrown away. Motive is everything. Why are you saying what you're saying? Why, why, are, you, why, are, you, why are you so passionate about this? Right? Have you ever noticed like, some people are passionate about like, the strangest things? I'm like, what is driving this passion? Nobody says something for no reason. Nobody's angry for no reason. Anger is not the problem. Anger, anger is the symptom of what's going on. Impatience is not the problem. It's a symptom of what's going on. Maybe lack of peace, lack of peace with people, lack of peace with God, lack of peace with self. There's always symptoms. And a lot of times what we're trying to do is identify the symptom in people. But every symptom comes from a root cause. And so I, I'm always wondering, like, motive, motive, like, is your motive good? Because when people's motive is clear, I can, I'll even settle for bad tone and harsh words if the motive is right. Because there's some people that just don't know how to talk. But their motive is clear. But then there's some folks who are great with words. They will sell you air. They're that good. They will, they will, they, they will, they will sell you on, on, what, the, on how, what they say and how they say it. But motivation is more important than anything else. I can't really harp on this point much longer because there's more to say tonight, this morning. But I want, you to, I want you to consider, and I want you to do a self-analysis. Why are you saying what you're saying? Because that will help then drive the word that you choose and how you say it. Is this making sense? Can you tell your neighbor, check your motive. Check your motive. Check your motive. Your motivation is everything. I will, I will never give negativity more power than it deserves. You know, I'm not going to stand here and say everybody's toxic. Everybody's out there running their mouth. Everybody's, everybody's backstabbing because that's not the truth. Because I think sometimes pessimism will then cause you to look at everybody and be like, I can't trust y'all. So, but I, I, I really think that if a small spark can light a fire and cause destruction, I believe small sparks of joy and encouragement can cause new life and restoration. I believe that. Come on, if, if evil can do a lot of damage, I believe good can do a whole lot more. A whole lot more good. And so we can't be like, 
the devil's using people and, and they're out there spewing hate. No, like, let's, let's check this out because the Bible tells me, do not be overcome by evil, Romans 8, 12, something like that, 12, but overcome evil with good. And so instead of us becoming cynical and negative and pessimistic and us kind of looking at everybody like, like you know the, that meme side-eyeing Chloe, it's the little girl in the backseat of the car and she's just kind of like, what? Instead of you looking at humanity like that, can we begin being optimistic? And, and can we be the change that we seek to see in other folks? Instead of us lowering our standard to meet people at the toxic level where they are, let us raise the standard and show them what a Holy Spirit-filled life looks and sounds like. Can you say amen? Because I think sometimes we are so quick to stoop down. And instead of us raising the bar, we lower the bar just so we're relatable. No, I'm going to be who God has called me to be, whether you are like it or not. So I'm going to be positive. I'm going to be filled with hope. I'm not going to lower my standard just because your standard is low. If anything, I'm not going to be conformed. I'm going to transform the atmosphere I'm in by speaking words of life and not death. If a small spark of negativity can cause a fire, I believe that small sparks of joy can cause a great effect. And so, church, can you start changing what you say, how you say it, why you say it, and you're going to notice that the atmosphere of your home, your job, your church is going to follow the words that you say. And this is not a name it and claim it gospel. I'm not telling you name that Lamborghini is yours and it's yours. I'm not talking that nonsense. What I am talking about is the fact that there is power of life and death in our tongue. Right here. There is the power. Folks, joy changes a room. Positivity changes a room. Negativity does a whole lot of damage. But you get yourself around somebody that's happy. Somebody that got some joy. You, got, you get yourself around some people that know how to worship. Even if you don't feel like worshiping, you're kind of like, this kind of, this is kind of feeling good. It's hard to stay angry in worship. Why are you looking like the devil's got you? You're free indeed. And man, atmosphere is everything. Yo, I love I love atmosphere, music. I think atmosphere is everything. I love atmosphere because it, when you walk into like, have you ever walked into a silent room? There's an atmosphere. There's an atmosphere. You walk into a silent room, it feels like a wake. Let me just sit and wait to see what's gonna happen. You walk into an atmosphere with. Just like pads, just like what Tyler does at the end of the sermon, just feel spiritual. You walk into an atmosphere with Hillsong Young and Free. You are alive. There's, a, there's an atmosphere of like celebration. Atmosphere is everything. Did you know you have the power of atmosphere in your voice? Did you know you can create space for the spirit to move in what you are saying? Man. Did you know we can mitigate the work of the spirit through negativity and pessimism and slander? We squelch it. We squelch him. But when we begin creating an atmosphere of praise and worship through the way that we talk, we create space for God to move among us. I think that's power. Words are powerful. Words matter. What we say matters. Um, 
number number two, well, I don't even know what point this is. Just kind of if you're, yeah, yeah five, six, whatever. Uh, number whatever, point, uh, is this. Be slow to speak, quick to, quick to listen, slow to speak. Slow, slow to speak, yeah. Quick to listen, slow to speak. That, that's what James says, yeah. I've, I've read this like nine times, so I should get this right. Quick to listen, slow to speak. He says this in James chapter one. To understand is more important than being understood. I think I should just end that there. That was good. <laughs> Have you ever tried talking to somebody after a service is over and the band is still jamming? Yes. You're, typically, you'll stand like right here oh. under this massive speaker and they're just going in like pop, pop, pop. And you're over there screaming at the person that you're talking to like, how's your Sunday? What? How's your Sunday? And then they just stop and you're left screaming. Have you ever... This happens at Friday every week, Sunday, most Sundays. Good to see you. We're right here, five inches from each other, spit flying everywhere. But we can't get an idea across because there's noise. There's noise. A lot of times communication is broken down, not because you can't understand each other, but because there's too much noise. Be quick to listen, slow to speak. It's more important to understand than to be understood. Instead of trying to prove your point, try to understand their point of view. That's what love is. Love is not you need to understand me. Love is I'm going to take time to understand you. Number three. Tyler, you can help me out. Number three is this, and I'm going to end. What you say is a sign of what is your source. What you say shows a sign of what is your source. I taught high school history for a couple years after I got out of... uh, seminary. Um, and and that, was, that was a fun couple of years. I really enjoyed it. But some of my kind of, once I got to know my students and, um, and, and you get to know every student's nuances and how, how they talk and whatnot, periodically we'd have like papers that were due. So like research papers once a quarter or whatever. And, uh, and it's always funny when you're reading a student's paper who you know, you know how they talk, you even know how they write. And all of a sudden, this paper sounds like they are like an Oxford University scholar. It's like, I know you're smart. You ain't that smart. No, I'm just playing. But you know what I mean? Like, there's a source here that you're not citing. That's called plagiarism. It's theft. And, uh, and those conversations were always awkward, where we have to sit down and be like, look, I know you're bright but this ain't you. And Google proved it. <laughs> Wikipedia proved it. You're smart, but you weren't smart enough to cite. You got to cite. After everything that you take from somebody else, you got to put in parentheses where it came from. That's just integrity. And I think after everything that we say in this life, there's going to be a source. And that, in parentheses, after every word we say, after every sentence we communicate, there's going to be, in parentheses, one word. Flesh or spirit. Where it came from. Everything that we say. Every post that we make, there's a source. Either we're letting our flesh speak, or we're letting the spirit speak. That's a powerful word. So we need to check where what we're saying is coming from. 
Because nobody speaks in a vacuum. It's always coming from a place of maybe hurt. Or it's coming from a place of frustration. So instead of forcing other people to understand us, can we leave this morning committed to seeking to understand people? Communicating with people. Can we leave here committed to allowing the Holy Spirit to dictate that which we say? So that we never let the flesh speak, but we let the Holy Spirit speak through us. As I've been preparing these sermons about the tongue, I was reminded in Isaiah 53, it says, this is talking about Jesus, this is prophetic. It says, he was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, he did not open his mouth. You see, the context there is that Jesus was accused, arrested, sentenced to a cross. And with every opportunity that he had to respond, he remained silent. And I always wondered, like, Jesus, why didn't you raise your voice? Like, why didn't you, why didn't you put them in their place? Like, you were righteous, you were holy, you were perfect. You didn't commit any of the things that they accused you of committing. Why did Jesus remain silent? And then the Holy Spirit reminded me, Jesus remained silent for a few reasons. First and foremost, the proof of who Jesus was, was not in what he said, but it was in how he lived. So he had already lived a sinless life. And all those who knew Jesus knew that he was sinless. Here's the thing, your greatest witness is not going to be in the words that you say. Your greatest testament to God's power is going to be in the life that you live. But number two, Jesus was silent because he was in agreement. He was in agreement to be submitted to the punishment that should have been yours. There's this phrase in Portuguese that says this, quem cala consente. And that means this, those who are silent are in agreement. And I think that there's so much power in the fact that Jesus was silent in the face of his accusations. Because in being silent, he was accepting the punishment that would have been yours. But number three, Jesus was silent because his silence released your voice. Because by being silent in the presence of his accusers, it would set you free to lift up your voice and praise him once you would receive that free gift of salvation. You see, words are powerful. And when Jesus was being accused of sins he did not commit, he said nothing. Because if he had raised up his voice, he would have had to put everybody in their place. And you wouldn't have received the forgiveness of your sins. But by being silent and receiving the punishment that should have been yours, he was setting you free to live the life that he created and destined you to live. Because words are powerful and words do matter. And this morning, Jesus Christ is here to set you free. He was silent so that you could speak. He was silent so that you could raise your voice. And if you could stand with me in this sanctuary, I want to pray for you today.